Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So friends, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to make a meal plan that will actually make your life easier. Alternate titles for today's episode, a meal planning guide for people who are terrible at meal planning, or Stephanie finally gets unstuck in an area of life that has been frustrating her every single day for years. Now, I know some of the women in our community are excellent cooks. They feel comfortable in the kitchen and their favorite question to answer is, what's for dinner? I wish that was the case for me, but it's totally not. Guys, I'm the takeout queen. And although I've tried meal planning more times than I can count, I have never been able to do it in a way that makes my life easier. In fact, it always seems to make my life harder. I could break out in hives just thinking about it. When I think about meal planning, I picture a complicated app full of recipes I don't actually wanna make. I picture the app spitting out a grocery list that's the length of a CVS receipt. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I picture me spending way too much time and way too much money on meals I'm not actually excited about eating in the first place. The plan doesn't make my life easier, it makes it 10 times harder. And so I always end up tossing out my meal plan and the whole weekend I spent making it, and I end up just winging it, somehow surprised and frustrated every single day when at 5 p.m. we have to, again, answer the question, what do we wanna do for dinner? So when I got the opportunity to have Kendra Adachi back on the show to tell us about her new book, The Lazy Genius Kitchen, I was excited, but I also thought that whatever tips she had probably would not help me. Guys, I'm so happy I was wrong. This conversation was honestly life-changing for me. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But before we dive in, did you guys know that I have a whole collection of gifts in my shop, like sweatshirts, mugs, and keychains that are perfect to get for your girlfriends or for yourself? They're all designed to remind you of who you are, who God is, and that we're all in this together. One thing I wanted to tell you about specifically is the Girls' Night Travel Tumblr. We have two different versions. One of them says Girls' Night, and the other one says my favorite night is Girls' Night. And I'm totally in love with them both. They keep your drinks hot or cold, depending on your beverage. And um, I use mine for coffee every day. I also recently had a Girls' Night with my best friends where they each brought their own travel tumbler that I gave them for Christmas. We all had our glasses of wine and our matching cups. It was so fun. Along with being fun and functional, the Girls' Night Travel Tumblr is a celebration of the true magic that happens when we come together as girlfriends. It's also a fun way to represent the Girls' Night podcast. The website is stephaniemaywilson.com and just hit the tab that says shop. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com. All right, friends, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Kendra. Okay, friends, I am sitting here with someone I'm so happy for you to get to hear from again. I'm sitting here with my friend, Kendra Adachi. Kendra, thanks for coming back on Girls' Night. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I recorded a lot of interviews for my for the last book when I was here the first time. And I yeah. remember yours. Like, I remember how lovely it was. Like, it was, it's a memorable. Oh. oh, yeah, being with Stephanie was like, that was a good time. So I'm happy to be back. I love that. That is like the highest compliment, especially when you're recording for a book and you're doing kind of a tour. You're like, by the end, like, I don't know your name, but I'm going to say the smartest thing I can into this microphone and then go pass out. 
<laughs> and and I just love to, it's it's such a, I just want to say to all the people that you're like, oh yeah, she's she's got a book coming out, whoever the she is. And you look, because that person's name is literally everywhere over like a two month span. <laughs> like literally. Yes. So thank you for your patience, everybody. <laughs> but I'm so happy yeah, to yes. be here. <laughs> It's the Kendra show. She's around. But then after this, she's going to go on vacation and like take a nap, a long nap. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So. Yep. 100%. 100%. I feel like I've been doing the opposite of that. The beginning of this year, we kind of made some space to to do things for the podcast and do things kind of around like on the back end of things, like figure out how to record video, which again, still working on. So now I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm still here. I promise. I'm around. It's the way it goes the way it goes. It is. It is. Okay. Well, Kendra, I will. Okay. Before we dive in, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. My name is Kendra Adachi. I am known on the internet as the Lazy Genius. And I have a podcast called the Lazy Genius Podcast. I have written two books. I cook chicken on Instagram. Uh, I have a, a family, a husband, and three kids. We've I've lived in the same city in North Carolina that I was born in. I will hopefully never, ever leave. That could be a fun fact, I guess. Uh, but the a fun fact about myself is I was valedictorian of my senior class when I graduated. Yeah. Which is not like a, hey guys, I was valedictorian. But more, I was not good at anything except school. And I had such a perfectionistic like drive in me that was like, okay, I can't be good at anything else, but I can be the best at school. <laughs> so- <laughs> I worked like super hard <laughs> and then it paid off. But also like at what cost? Like who cares? Like no one cares. No one cares that anyone's valedictorian. No one cares about your class rank. It was a whole thing. But that is a, that is, that is like my proof of my perfectionist, perfect, perfectionistic tendencies that I was like, all right, here we go. I, Let's I, get this. I will tell you, I am very impressed. I'm absolutely impressed. I never, this is a random fact. I'm, I, my dad always was kind of frustrated with me because I was never as, like I never applied myself in school as much as he knew that I could. I was always interested in like student leadership, like our, our you know, student government or uh, being part of the yearbook committee or I was really interested in my major in college, which was journalism, but like could not care about my other classes, just skated by and it always drove my dad nuts. And so I never got a 4.0 ever, not once. I came close like so many semesters, but I never achieved scholastic perfection because I was always too busy doing like all my extra. You were being a well-rounded person. I was not well-rounded. I was like, hey guys, who wants to do homework? Who wants to do homework? (laughs) Oh man, you're the one I'm like whispering to in class being like, listen, I was out late at dance practice last night. Can you help me? It's true, it's true. Um, That's so amazing. I love that. Okay, well, so I have to tell you that I am probably your target person for your new book. I am also your hardest one to win over. Because (laughs) I hate, it, it has, I love food. I love food. Everyone listening knows this about me. Love food don't love cooking it for myself. Mm -hmm. There is like a block in my brain when it comes to how to like shop and then put things together and then feed myself and do it all every day. Like I'm just amazed that I have to do it every day. And it's become more complicated because now I have kids and they eat every day. And so I'm just, I I recently traded my husband 
cleanup, dinner cleanup duty for meal prep because he actually like his brain works this way. And I instead like scrape tater tots off the floor and the walls off the walls because I hate this so much. So that being said, you have a new book out. Tell us about your book. <laughs> and tell us about, tell us about like, do are, are you a person who's always been good in the kitchen or did you have to like, did you start anywhere close to where, where I am in life? Right. It's so, there's so, there's so much richness in all that you just said. Cause I feel like, oh good. <laughs> like I'm going to convince you. But also here's the thing. I uh-huh. want to go ahead and say, you are already being a lazy genius in your kitchen because you, ha- you don't have to be good at everything. See, that's what we think. We think that in order to have like a fulfilling life in our kitchen, we have to look like June Cleaver or we have to have like, we have to like cooking. We have to like prepping. We have to be good at it. We have to know how to shop. Like we have to know how to do literally everything. And that is actually not the answer. That is not what we're after. What we're after is figuring out what do you care about? What is really important to you and all of those areas of your kitchen? And then how can we support that in ways that are sustainable? What are some, and then what can we let go of? So I'm not trying to convince everybody to exist in their kitchen the way I do or for like, or have the same priorities. That's our problem. So you've already begun the process in a very good, healthy, Stephanie way. Cause you're like, guess what? I will clean the tater tots off the floor. I'll do it in a heartbeat, Mm -hmm. but please don't make me cut anything up. Like Mm -hmm. you are being lazy about the prep and that's such a good thing. So all that to say, well done. We're going to go ahead and just start there. Well done. You're already being a lazy genius in the kitchen. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) So the book is called The Lazy Genius Kitchen because everything that I make is called The Lazy Genius Something. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's called The Lazy Genius Kitchen. Have what you need. Use what you have and enjoy it like never before. And the idea here is this is not a cookbook because I I think that it's not that we don't need cookbooks. We do. And cookbooks are so beautiful. Recipes are so helpful in our lives. Like we, there's a place for them for sure. But what is missing for us, I think, is all the other stuff. Like what you just said, like how do you juggle this thing called eating that never stops. And the more mouths you feed in your home, the more it's amplified. And it can be so stressful because it doesn't give you a break to figure out a solution. It just keeps going. Yes, yes. So all that to say, this book is your tool to help you figure out what solutions you can start to use in your own kitchen based on what matters to you, based on what matters to you. It is like, Everything that I do, it's equal parts permission and equal parts practical. I would say this one, maybe it's not even equal. This one's got like a lot of practical in it. It's a lot of practical stuff. But I just want people to feel the freedom to create a kitchen that makes sense for them with their own priorities and not necessarily turn themselves into some sort of like kitchen robot. This is like, truly you are my person. So have you always, have you always been good in the yeah, kitchen? So like you how did that. this come yeah. about for you? So I, I, um, I've always loved gathering. I have memories of being in the kitchen with my grandmother. I have, like I learned, we won't get into it now because it was like dark family times, but like I learned to cook pretty early because I had to. And and so I've kind of always 
sort of been in the kitchen, but I don't know that I was, no, I was not good at it. I got married when I was 20 years old. I was an infant and, um, and thought that it was up to me solely to be the one to feed me and my husband. And so I just kind of like carried that mantle and I burned a lot of food for a long time. I made a lot of really bad food for a super, super long time. But the way that I actually started to He's feel- like, are you sure you don't want me to like step, like I can help, at love, <laughs> you know what? Maybe you do something else. It was so, it was just, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But, but part of what actually helped me, I think, is that I am a tinkerer. I would rather make chocolate chip cookies for 10 years and perfect them to where they are the best chocolate chip cookies you've ever had in your entire life than make like a new thing every single time. Well, let's try this one. Let's try this one. So there is a part of me that kind of helped where I was like, okay, why did this burn? Why did this get tough? Why did this taste bad? And I would watch 30-minute meals with Rachel Ray when she was like at the peak of her powers. I guess she Mm -hmm. still kind of is. She's still like Rachel Ray. But when 30-minute meals was like taking the world by storm, I would watch every day and I would pay attention to like the patterns in what she was doing. And I started to notice like, oh, that she doesn't move whatever meat she's cooking. She leaves it still in the pan. And that's how you get color. You don't stir things all the time. You actually leave it still. Interesting. Like I started to kind of pay attention to those things that helped my own cooking. And I taught cooking classes, actually. That was my first business that I ever did. I taught cooking classes in my kitchen. So it's something that I, I, I do really love doing But I think what I love the most is giving people the tools and empowerment based on what matters to them so that they can do what they need to in the kitchen. Like, for example, I was reading a novel the other day. It was like a murder mystery. I don't know. It had nothing to do with food. But one of the characters was a cooking teacher. And she was like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's... Someone who did not know how to cook. And she said, yeah, we're going to make this super, super easy meal. And it was a whole roast chicken and risotto. And I was like, girlfriend, like, I was so mad reading this book. I wasn't mad about the murder. I wasn't mad about any of like the domestic troubles. I was so mad that this cooking teacher taught someone for the first time who has never cooked before a whole roast chicken and risotto and that it was a foolproof meal. I got so upset at this book. So all that to say, there's just something very deep and visceral in me that wants people to not run for the hills when you talk about helping their lives in the kitchen. It doesn't have to be what you expect it to be. It's actually not. Like you can create a kitchen and life in it that works for you and doesn't have to look like everybody else. Oh my gosh. Okay, that is so funny. Honestly, that might be the problem. Like I asked people at at various times in life, like, hey, can you like teach me how to cook? And honestly, maybe my first, well, anyway, it's that's neither. I feel like every time I would ask people for help, they would either hand me a knife and a pepper and be like, well, just chop this. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't tell me like how to feed myself. Like, <laughs> yes, I understand how to not cut my fingers off. Thank you. But like, I don't know what to do after this. And it's not obvious to me. And then, or I would take a cooking class or something and it would be like, a fancy situation where it was like a roast chicken and basically I'm just watching someone else cook while I'm drinking wine, which I'm very <laughs> good at. <laughs> that might be why that's my best thing. But no, I, I, yeah, I think people just make it too complicated. And so I have a million, a million questions for you. Tell me like, first of all, meal planning, because this actually legitimately makes me like 
itchy. Like, yeah. like feel like I'm wearing something that's too tight. I, I just, how, why? When well, you, I mean, <laughs> how and why? Well, let me ask you this. When you imagine what a meal plan looks like, what does it look like to you? Like, what is it in your head, in your imagination? What is the image of a meal plan? What is your end result that you think you're trying to get to personally for you? Well, I think this is probably like where I've gone wrong, but I'm picturing there are a bunch of apps that can help you with it. And you, and it's supposed to make things easier. And then you go through this app and it's all these really complicated meals. And then it gives you this enormous grocery list. And like, I just picture like 2000 piece puzzle that never fully comes (laughs) together on an app that has made it helpful, like that makes it easier. (laughs) So like, good Lord, what is going to happen if I don't have an app? Oh, that is such a good picture. Because I think that is what a lot of us imagine it's supposed to be. And so if you are seeking after that as your end goal, anything that's not that is not right, right? Like anything that doesn't accomplish what that app, that easy app is supposed to do for you, then it doesn't count as meal planning. And so I am here okay. to say that is 100% wrong. That, that, <laughs> that, is not the, that is not the reality. That is not the reality. Not necessarily the app generating the grocery list. Like that actually could, that does work for a lot of people. What I'm saying is that there is no one way to meal plan. There is no one result that meal planning is supposed to give you. Like you get to decide what it means for you. So we can just figure this out right now for you. Like, when you, uh, when it's, t- how many days a week do you make food at home? This is a no shame zone. You could say zero and I'd be like, awesome. Next question. I would say three. Three, you eat it. Two, mm-hmm. two to three, okay. Do two you- to three, because usually we'll like, we're big like Chipotle people and Chipotle is two meals. Yeah, so that is. takes care of two <laughs> yeah, things you don't have to think about. <laughs> Um, at like any time, I mean, we're big takeout people. We we were starting, I got pregnant right when COVID hit. And so mm-hmm. we were doing like first trimester pregnancy, lockdown, all kinds of things. So basically we got, re- we're really, really close with our, our DoorDash yeah, and, totally. and Postmates Now, do you feel bad um, about that? Because I sense, I sense a bit of, I sense a bit of a little energy, a little negative energy in what you're saying right now. Do you feel bad about that? Uh, I think... Honestly, this is probably, this is like, we definitely spend more money than we should. And we definitely like, I, I think I just know that we're like on an, on an end of the spectrum that mm. like other people maybe have this area of their life like more, like our answer is different than a lot of people. Yeah. It has kept us all alive through the craziest season of life. Yes. I've I don't know if I've told you. I've 16 month old twins. So That's we a like a lot of things to do. <laughs> it's it was a lot. So I'm very happy to say that we are all alive and healthy and thriving, but I do know that this is probably like this is the last frontier of things that I just have sort of let go. Mm. So, so you, do I feel bad? Maybe a little. You but it sounds like you might want it to be a little bit different. Would that be true or no? I think it's more that it should. Oh, oh, we don't like that word? We don't like that word, Stephanie? We don't like 
it where, why? Who says we should? And I don't mean like, who says we should? I mean, gen- genuinely, because here's, here's the thing. I'll step back. I'll take you off the hot seat for a second. This is what we all do in every area. We do this with meal planning, with shopping, with gathering. We do it with all the things, all the things. Mm. We think we should do it a certain way. And part of us, you know, we've made these decisions to be Chipotle people and to be on a first name basis with our DoorDash person. And we, and mm-hmm. we, we almost present that as like a, in, a, in an apologetic way, you know, like, well, yeah. this is just, I know this is just what we're doing and it works for us. And no, no, what I want to empower people to do is for you to be like, this is what works for us. End of sentence. Like you Mm. choose what works for you and you don't have to carry any sort of extra baggage around that thing just because you're on a different end of the spectrum than someone else. It's sort of like, I I want us to remove actually this linear perspective, this linear spectrum. Like there's one end of, it's, it's a line and that really it's just a circle. We're all existing in a circle somewhere. And, and there's, so there's no like a better or worse. There's no extremes. You can't have extremes in a circle right? You yeah. can't have ends of a circle. So if, you, if we can all see our choices in the kitchen as like, no, this is what works for me in an, in an unapologetic way. And when we feel that should come in, it feels like, well, that's what we should do. Who says? And not in a, not yeah. in a sassy way, like genuinely. Who says you should? Because it could be, it could be, I'm not putting this on you. Yeah. But it could be because your situation is one that actually is pretty common. So it could be that you're going, okay, my my twins are 16 months old and this is working for us right now. This is really good. Now, when I imagine when they're seven, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that I want us to be eating out as much as we do now. Like I want them to yeah. sort of know a little bit more. I want them to experience maybe not home cooking in the sense that it's food that's heated up at home. I don't mean like made from the earth. I just mean like it comes from your own pan or microwave. You know what I'm saying? Like let's lower uh-huh. the bar there. But it could yeah. be that you're like, you know what? I would really like to, to put more meals together at home than for someone else to do it for me at a restaurant. I think I would rather that be a little bit more part of our family's culture than it is right now. And so what you can yeah. do right now is to go, okay, we eat at home two nights a week. Great. You can start to, when you're meal planning, you can go, okay, we're eating at home two nights this week. That's our baseline. What do we want to, what, what do we want to cook? What matters this week about what we're making? And it's not that you're having to like, well, I should probably cook like four or five times. And then you, but you're like, no, no, that's not my life right now. But if you look ahead, if you look ahead to like, this is what I would like. Okay, what is a way that I can start small? That's a lazy genius principle, right? That's lazy genius principle number two. What is the way that I can start small right now to start to build a routine, which is also another, to build the right routine. That's another lazy genius principle. What can I do right now in a small, small way that can begin to move me in the direction of putting together meals at home four nights a week instead of two? Now, is that is that end goal It's in seven years? Guess what? You can move real small in choosing maybe in your two meals a week that like of the eight a month that you cook at home, one of them is new and you're trying something new. You know what I'm saying? Like you just keep cooking the same things that you normally do and you get in your rhythm and you feel confident with that. But maybe you're like, okay, what's our one, 
what's our one new thing we want to try? I want to try to see if I can cook chicken this way. I want to see if uh, it's worth it for me to get that air fryer that everybody's talking about because I can understand an air fryer. I don't know how to do a saute pan, but I can put something inside a machine and shut the door. I can do that, you know, like that you think in really, really small ways to move yourself in a direction that matters to you. But ultimately, ultimately, I just want to like, just put the biggest blankets of permission over everyone listening that you get to decide what matters to you in your kitchen. No one else gets to decide. No one else gets to decide. So if you have like a lot of disposable income or not even a lot, but you just have enough you know, that like eating out is not going to put you in debt. Like, I think that we we would agree that like that's probably not a great move, but I don't think that anybody is probably making those choices. It's creditors are not worth the exchange of extra guac. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think most of us are like <laughs> making those decisions. But if you have yeah. the money and you want to, you want to direct those resources into takeout more often because that that enhances your life, that leaves room for you to have energy about other things that matter to you, that learning how to cook like every protein in the world and that you can make a beautiful roasted pan of roasted potatoes or something. Like if that doesn't matter to you, you don't have to do it. It doesn't take away your your value as a mother or as a spouse or as just a person in general. Uh, the people listening to this are women. It doesn't take away your value as a woman. You are still fully woman if you never cook a thing. This whole like domesticity thing as being part of our identity as women is just garbage. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's not true. It's not true. You can care for your family in other ways. You don't have to care for them in that way. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I need to know if, send us a message and let us know if this is like food for your soul the way that it is for me. Like, Kendra, seriously, it, I, yeah, this is, oh, yes, thank you. That is so Good. It's funny because so my husband and I are teaching um, a marriage prep course right now. We're in currently as we're recording, we're in week five. And so much of what we're talking to couples about as they're going from, you know, dating to engage to, you know, getting married is there's so much advice out there. And ultimately, you have to decide what is important to you as a couple. Like, how do you want to structure your household chores? How do you want to figure out who works and who and, and doing what? How do you want to talk to each other and resolve conflict? Like, what do you want date nights to look like? All these things you get to decide and you get to figure out what works for you as people. But honestly, I'm telling you, like the kitchen is the last frontier for me. It is exactly like you said. It's this thing that doesn't stop. 
And so there, there hasn't, like, I haven't been able to like get a handle on it. Yeah. Like really ever. And so this is, it's funny because I'm like, I, I've said that in this last week, but not about this. Because like, <laughs> I can't hear, I can't hear it about this. Yeah. Um. So uh, this is so good for me. So I, I want to know, like, when we're figuring out, like breaking this down a little bit more, we get to decide what our kitchens look like for us. What should what should be in our pantry? Are there staple foods or ingredients that we should have around? And then how do we, fi- like what's a, a system that we can use to make sure we always have those things stocked? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to call an audible and I'm going to pull one of your later questions that you prepared mm-hmm. so beautifully for this to the front because... Here's the thing. There is no single item that belongs in every pantry. There is no single tool that belongs in every kitchen drawer. There is no single meal that everyone should eat. There is no single way for anyone to gather. There just isn't. Like, I think that most people would benefit from having a knife in their kitchen, but there are other ways to cut food. You buy it already cut. You get a little chopper because you don't want to learn how to use a knife. Like, not everybody even has to have a knife. I will say that. Like, you don't even have to have a knife. So I just want to go ahead and like start there that what you should have in your pantry is what you eat. It's what you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, we get these cookbooks that are so beautiful and and have like the best intentions of wanting to equip and empower people who are reading it to have a kitchen that works, right? But most of the time, if you are reading a cookbook, you are listening to someone who knows how to cook who values and prioritizes learning how to cook, doing it really well, being able to, quote, throw a meal together really quickly. And so you want to have a lot of options to be able to do that. But guess what? If you don't know how to use a saute pan, if you don't know the difference in a chicken breast and a chicken thigh and how they might cook differently, if you're like, I just, can you just give me the bag of something that I open and I dump it onto a sheet pan and I put it in the oven? That that to me is the cooking that I need to do. Like we are not, most cookbook authors don't engage in that kind of cooking. And so their essential tools lists their essential ingredient lists, listen, nothing's, if, if you don't use it, it's not essential. The only thing that's essential is stuff that you use. Otherwise, it is just in the way. It's just noise. Every cookbook ever, I, wrote, I actually write about this in The Lazy Genius Kitchen. Um, every single, every single essential pantry list, stocked pantry list includes a jar of roasted red peppers. Do you know how many jars of unopened or opened and one was removed and now they're moldy jars of roasted red peppers I've thrown away over the years? Because guess what? Kendra doesn't like roasted red peppers. I don't like them. I think they taste gross. I don't make me blend them with feta in a food processor to have, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to eat them. So, So we can't, we need to have the freedom to go, this is not for me. Not everything has to be for you. There is no single essential item or ingredient anywhere. There's just not. I mean, I could say rice, but some people are allergic to rice. Like, or they don't want to, they don't want to learn how to cook rice because it feels complicated. That's okay. So, so all that to say, that's just like the big overarching thing is that there's, which is, (laughs) as I say that for people who are like, give me the list, give me what I do, give me, give me my steps, you know, give me my numbered list of what I'm supposed to do who are linear thinkers and wanting to get it right. And then I'm like, sorry guys, there's not a list. You're welcome. Bye. That's probably not super fun. But that is why the book itself 
and this is the question I'm going to pull from the bottom that I read, there are five steps to creating a lazy genius kitchen. In other words, a kitchen that has what you need, that you know how to use what's in there. You have a rhythm for using what you have already. And when those two things are true, you actually enjoy being there. If you have what you need and you use what you have, you really enjoy your kitchen. So the question is, what do you need and how do you use what you have? And there are five steps to do that in any area. And the five steps are, number one, you prioritize. So you name what matters about whatever it is that we're talking about. Step two is you essentialize. You get rid of what's in the way. What's in the way of what matters? If you have like, like for example, if you have all of these small appliances, because everybody's like, the air fryer is amazing. The Instant Pot is amazing. The whatever's, the rice cooker is amazing. And you don't do any, you don't use them at all. All they do is take up a lot of space. Those are large things. They take up a lot of space. And if your priority is, I I just want to be able to put things on a sheet pan. Like, honestly, that is like my go-to type of cooking is to just put a bunch of things, spread out on a pan and stick it in the oven. You know, that that's my mm-hmm. go-to. You don't need a lot of small appliances. That's in the way of even what matters about how you cook, right? So number one, essential, uh, number one is prioritize, name what matters. Two is essentialize, get rid of what's in the way. Three is organize. Now you organize what you have. We think that when our kitchens aren't working for us, it's because our organizational system is bad. We don't have the best meal planner app. We don't have, or binder. We don't have the best, those clear bins that our cereal goes in. You know, like we don't have all of these things that we sort of see as the best organizational tools. And we're organizing stuff we don't need. Like you go into your pantry and you're, you're organizing things that you haven't touched since the last time you tried to organize that cabinet. Like you, you have to essentialize before you organize. You have to get rid of stuff before you organize. So that's step three is organize. Step four is to personalize, is to make it your own, is to feel like yourself. Like you don't want to turn into a kitchen robot. You need to name what gives you pleasure. Who are the people that you're, who are the people that you're feeding? What is your personality in the kitchen? Like what are, what's your proficiency in the kitchen? I have seven Ps, uh, which was really fun when I was recording the audio book because it was like, Audio engineers love the P sound. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so I there are seven P's of, of personalizing your kitchen space to, for you to think about these things. And then step five is to systemize, is to keep it in a flow, is to keep, is to keep whatever it is that you decided going. And we use those 13 lazy genius principles from the lazy genius way to help us do that. So all that to say, three, two, one, in summary. If you apply those five steps to say like a cabinet in your kitchen that frustrates you or to how you shop, you know, if you're like, shopping just really bums me out. Like, I just can't find the time. I feel like I'm always forgetting things that I need, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, let's do these five steps. Prioritize. What matters to me about shopping? And in the book, I actually give uh, lists in all of the areas of your kitchen of things that could matter to kind of get you started. So is it is it price? Is it convenience? You know, are you like, no, I want to go to one store. Please don't make me go to four. Well, guess what? Pick one store. If some things are a little bit more expensive, but your priority is convenience and not budget, prioritize convenience. Like you don't have to get the cheapest of everything everywhere. That's, we, yeah. we're, we think we're supposed to do it all. And it's like, no guys, that's why we're tired. You can't do it all. You can't, like, when I think about stores and shopping, can you tell I'm really passionate about this? 
when you say, I, can you tell that this is like, un- <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like just letting your words soak over me. Like, yes, we're talking just, about food. Yes, we're talking about kitchen. Yes, I really oh, need this. I just, because it is such a, because it's back to what you said in the beginning, Stephanie. It's like, it's so constant. It never yeah. stops. This is something we all deal with always. And guess what? Yeah. It will never, it will never stop. Like this is something that we we will continue to live with. And so why not actually make it easier for ourselves and give us life in ways that it matters? So like back to the shopping thing. If you even think about different grocery stores, like what does Whole Foods prioritize? Quality health. and selection yeah. and health. Like do they yeah. prioritize budget and giving their customers lower? No, they don't. Do they even prioritize like, they prioritize Whole Foods? Get that. Like, their produce section is a lot bigger than most grocery stores. Their meat counter is a lot bigger than most grocery stores. They don't have a lot of stuff in boxes because mm-hmm. most of the people who prioritize the same things that Whole Foods prioritizes probably is not buying as many things in boxes and bags. So yep. it's like even grocery stores are going to prioritize different things and they're going to get rid of everything else. They're going to be lazy. Whole Foods is going to be lazy about prices. Walmart is going to be lazy about quality. Um, Target prioritizes like your experience, but also like real center of the aisle. You're not going to find artichokes at Target. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they're they getting things that like hit, hit the middle of most people. So yep. if you even think about it that way, the way that you shop, it can't prioritize everything. It just can't. That's why we're tired about all the things. So anyway, so that's why naming what matters about whatever the particular thing is, starting there and then going, okay, what's, what do I, what's in the way of that? Like, what do I still have around? Why do I have seven meal planning apps on my phone that every time I open my phone and I stare at them, I feel like a garbage person because I don't know how to use any of them? You delete those apps, please. I don't care if they cost $5. Like, is your is your soul worth more than that? It is. Delete them. I don't care. Like, get rid of them, please. You know? So that's the, that is the process that is laid out in very, in very detailed, like big, big sister energy. Like the whole thing is like kind big sister energy through the whole thing. It's this. It's like, no, 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 guys, you can do this. You can do this. And it's illustrated. So it's like super pretty. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Look at. I feel like it's going to be a resource that you reach for again and again and again, because those five steps apply to any person in any situation with any cooking challenge, like anything in the kitchen. Like it is the most versatile thing because it's not, this is how you cook chicken. It's, does chicken matter to you? (laughs) Like what matters to you about chicken? Like those are valid questions to ask ourselves. I've been talking a really long time. I'll stop now. I'll take a breath and ask and let you ask a question. <laughs> well, so it's funny because I, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking through like what is important to me. So it's usually it's it's convenience because at the end of the day, uh, and also, but I love food. And so that's why I'm not like lean cuisining every night. That's why I'm like, okay, but I really love food, but also convenience. Like I'm really, really tired at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's funny because we also like, we're doing a totally different program for our kids. Like the girls, we feed them at like 5.30 and then Carl and I put them to bed and then figure out what we're doing for dinner. And it's just a totally separate situation. And so, I mean, we're figuring out, so maybe that, I mean, that's part of it too, is like we're doing kind of two different, we're meal planning for babies and then we're meal planning for us and or not for us. 
but there are some things that actually really matter to me. And so when you're talking about small appliances, I have an Italian pasta maker that I actually know how to use and I love it. I haven't done it. I haven't done it since the babies were born. I've been busy, but I can make homemade pasta and I love it. I also have a very specific brownies recipe that is my my Grammy's brownies that I'm like really good at homemade, not out of the box. I have a really great chocolate cake, again, homemade, not out of the box. So I, I do like baking and yeah, Italian food and roasted red pepper. It's funny because that's, there are so many things in my pantry like and, and fridge that just go bad because we never touch them. But roasted red peppers, I worked at a restaurant after college that had this roasted red, red pepper soup that was amazing. And they've stopped making it since. And so it has been my mission, speaking of tinkering, to figure out how to make that roasted red pepper soup. The first time I tried, I used a magic bullet that we were given as a wedding present and like overfilled it. And so Carl came over to help right in that moment and like pushed the thing down. And all of a sudden, roasted red pepper soup, <laughs> hot, uh, sorry, uh, exploded all over him, all over the bottoms, the cabinet, like all oh. over our dirty apartment. Oh. And not dirty, our apartment wasn't dirty, but it was like kind of weird. But I mean, it just like, but roasted red peppers, that's just, that's like maybe one thing I actually would use because yeah. I love I love roasted red pepper soup. Yeah. So I love this so much. There are things that matter to me and then there, there are things that don't. So where like... You you mentioned personalization. I want to go back to that because I'm curious. Yeah. Like, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm pulling out, um, since this is video, here's the, there's the one copy of the book that exists in someone's hand. Can't cure, I'll do a flip really quick. Ready? Just so you can see like how pretty it is with like illustrations oh. and stuff. Like it's really, oh. really lovely. It's lots of white space. It's just really, oh. you guys, it's just, Oh, she's my baby. I just love her so much. Okay, so personalizing. The the book is broken into three parts and part one breaks down those five steps in, in specific ways. It's kind of, I sort of describe it as like lecture versus lab. Part one is explaining the five steps, but don't do anything yet. Just sort of like understand what they mean and how you might apply them. But then part two applies those five steps to six areas of your kitchen. Your space, Okay. so the the, the actual space and the stuff that's inside it your plan, like how you're going to decide what you're going to eat, the meals that you cook, right? Like what kinds of meals are you actually making? There's a whole thing about that. The food that you buy and how you store it, how you choose it, how you buy it, how you store it, the prep of those meals, but not like cutting up stuff and putting it in containers, but more like the flow of your kitchen, kind of like how are you preparing your space and yourself for the next thing that's coming, kind of being prepared for your own flow. And then the sixth one is your table is the gathering. And so it applies, part two applies those um, five steps to those six areas. And then part three is just like the most robust, amazing appendix of just like how-tos. Just lots of one sheets of like how to do this, how to do that. It's, you guys, I I know I wrote this thing, but this book is dope. It is so good. I'm so obsessed with it. I'm so obsessed with it. It's like, oh my gosh, I just love it so much. So uh, I'm opening it up so I don't forget any of the seven Ps of personalizing. But I'll just run through them really quickly. So so it's your personality, right? So how are you wired? How do you see the world? I think that we think that even being in the kitchen, you have to be a certain way when you're in the kitchen. Like if you have people over, for example, and you're like really introverted and you're kind of quiet, 
you think that in order to be like a good host, you have to suddenly become like a party thrower and like, hello, everyone. And you're, that's not who you are. That's not your personality. So like, it's okay. It's good. It's not even okay. It's like good and beautiful for you to know who you are and how you are in a room and how you interact with people and what your personality is, what your lens is. And be that person in the kitchen. Like feel free to be that person in the kitchen. People, that's P number two. Who Who is in your kitchen? Not just people you live with, but people who feel at home with you, you know, who come to visit, friends, kind of whatever. Um, but pay attention to the people and also what they need. Like for example, you said your husband's name was Carl. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So let's say that pri- that convenience is your biggest priority, okay? Yeah. Let's say Carl's is like the 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 nurturing environment of a meal. Okay? Let's say it could appear on paper that those two priorities are actually in conflict because we often yeah. equate convenience food with convenient time and like we're not really gathering around convenience food. Number 1 that's not true. You can get takeout and make your Chipotle you can still eat your Chipotle together on purpose. Like really gathering is eating together on purpose, like with intention. That's really all it is. So, and yeah. you can do that with Chipotle. But, but yeah, you, you, you definitely can. You definitely can. Have y'all seen the commercials of Chipotle? Of course you can. Yeah, but no, what I would, part of this, this, this people, P, to pay attention to, is because we love our people. We care about what they need too. So it's not necessarily just like flat out sacrificing what you need fully blindly for what the other person needs, but actually still paying attention to, well, what do my people need too? What matters to them? This is not just the me show. This is not like I'm running my kitchen the way I want to and everybody's got to get on board. That's not how any of us really want to interact with our people. So to pay attention, not just to the logistics of the people that you're feeding, like even what you just said, that you're feeding your kids like probably two hours before you and Carl are eating because that's the season you're in. That's another Lacey Genius Principles to live in your season. Like that's the season you're in. So we're gonna embrace that and we're gonna make it work for us right now in the season until it doesn't work anymore, until we're in a different season. So that's kind of part of the people one. Priorities, like what matter, again, what matters to you? It's very, very, it's very, very important um, when it comes to anything. Your proficiency, like what are you good at? Like, if you're like, okay, fine, I I am gonna do, quote, I'm gonna do better because I should cook this way or whatever. I'm gonna cook more at home. And the cooking that you've ever done is really just like Trader Joe's Mandarin chicken and spaghetti. And then suddenly you're like, I'm gonna make five meals of like four different elements, you know, like a meat and three. I'm gonna make a meat, I'm gonna make two or three sides and all of these things that I've never done before. But you don't know like, what happens to the food in your pan when you have it on high heat with oil versus low heat without oil. Like you don't, like it's okay for you to not be fully proficient. You need to pay attention to what you're not proficient in and then maybe name, what do I want to be proficient in? Like truly, deep down in me, you know, like you mentioned your Italian pasta maker. I love that. I love that you're like, this I can rock this. I can totally mm-hmm. do this. And so maybe yeah. even how can you elevate that even more if you wanted to? How can you support that if that matters to you? How can you support that more? You could become proficient in say how to caramelize onions for an hour on the stove 
because caramelized onions and pasta are really delightful together. You know, you can make like, you could become proficient in like, okay, I want to, I want to learn how to make this sauce that goes with this. What skills do I need to learn in order for me to do that? And you can develop those skills in other meals, not just in the one that you're doing. Like I need, I want to learn how to sear something, you know, like that's it. We're just learning how, what does sear mean? And and that's what you focus on. That's the proficiency. That's the skill that you focus on. So that's that's something that you have to pay attention to is your proficiency. The fifth P is your process. How do you how do you process tasks? Do you are you overwhelmed by too many choices at once? Do you need to spread something out? Okay. So that means that can that can inform lots of things. Like, like if you're a process person who doesn't like to do much at once, please don't do like a big intense Saturday freezer meal prep thing, that's not your process. You don't need to you don't need to do all of that at once. Just because that works for someone else doesn't mean that has to work for you. So pay attention to to what your process is too. The sixth one is pleasure. Like what makes you happy? Your Italian pasta maker makes you happy. Like you lit up when you talked about that, you know, like even the baking that you love to bake. It's like, well, you know what? You could keep baking. You know, you could add homemade desserts to your convenience dinners, you know, like if you want to add something that is homemade, go ahead and add what you love. Or if you love the practice of baking and the process of baking, maybe you could like, bread making is similar in many ways to other baking. And it's like, you know what? That could be like a an interesting like sort of sidestep to how I can bring the pleasure that I have from baking into dinner, you know, that I could try this dinner roll recipe and just see how that goes for something that I, that was yeah. takeout, you know what I'm saying? And then the seventh one is peace. What gives you peace? Not just in your kitchen, but just like in life. Is it quiet? Is it a room full of people? Is it music? Is it aesthetically pleasing space? So that if you're making food <laughs> and you can still see everything piled up from breakfast and dinner, at breakfast and lunch, and you're trying to make dinner, that's not peaceful for you. So what you can do is create a very small routine of having your space cleared and peaceful when it's time for you to make dinner. Naming that, that one, like, let's think about this, you guys. Again, I'm talking forever. I love this stuff so much. Imagine, imagine what you're want, what we're all wanting to do is we think we have to overhaul literally everything. You know, it's like, oh, well, I need to figure mm-hmm. out my meal planning stuff. I need to learn all of these things. I haven't opened those seven cookbooks in three years. I should probably do that. You have this really long list of all of these things that you think you need to do in order to organize and live in your kitchen in a way that makes sense for you or the way that you think you should. Imagine, imagine if you have a pain point of walking into the kitchen at dinner and it's messy for breakfast and lunch because you currently don't have a system for dealing with breakfast and lunch dishes before dinner, Mm -hmm. okay? Let's say that's the only thing you change. Your life as it is right now is exactly the same. Your life in the kitchen is exactly the same. Let's say that's literally the only thing you change is you incorporate in a very small way some routine. And again, I talk about all of this stuff in the book. Some routine to make your kitchen peaceful when it's time to make dinner. That would change your life. That would change your life. Yeah. Like it would, it would change your life. You don't have to fix everything. Like just pay attention to one thing at a time. And those seven Ps really help you feel like yourself. Because that's the thing. Most of us are in the kitchen and we feel like 
like a hollow version of ourselves, a performative version of ourselves, a deficient person, a version of ourselves. We have all of these different pressures that we're carrying. And really, I just want you to be yourself. Just be yourself. Like embrace those things that make you you and you're going to enjoy your kitchen if you do. I love this so much. Like it really, and this is funny because this has been a theme in in like just other areas of my life. This is something that I've been kind of learning and putting into practice. And and it's it's awesome that it's like expanding into this new, like into the last frontier. That one, we already talked about this. You get to choose, like it gets to look like you. Yep. What do you actually like and what needs to happen? What small things need to happen in order for this to look like you, to like make it something you like? Like the the idea that we get to learn that we don't have to cook seven meals a day or 21 meals a day. We're not trying to do like every single meal homemade throughout the week. So like two, okay, like that brought me this huge wave of peace um, and relief. But then also like, you get to make what you like. Like don't make food you don't like. And also don't set your kitchen up like your mom told you you had to or or your mom did or someone else or this professional chef in the cookbook told you you should. Set it like it is your kitchen. Those are your cabinets. You get to use your money to buy your tools, the ones you actually want to use. And then you put them wherever you want in the kitchen, wherever makes sense to you to make whatever food you actually like when you want to make it. And then whatever you need to do for the other 20 meals in the week, like cereal for dinner totally works. Mm-hmm. Do that. Exactly. It's like we have this, this idea that even most of our energy is going to go into dinner. What if, what if you have a family system or it's just you, like it doesn't matter. Like what if you have a system in your home where you have more time in the mornings? Make your homemade meal breakfast. You know, like if that gives you a lot of joy, like like make eggs, you know, make slow scrambled eggs and like make French toast, like do things that might take a little more time. We, we're just programmed that certain things are supposed to be intentional. Certain things are supposed to be quick. Certain things are supposed to be done this way or that way. Like um, I remember reading, I was probably an Instagram post or something. I don't even remember who it was, but it was a long time ago. Oh no, I do remember. I do remember. It was Melissa D'Arabian, who is a, I think that's how you say her last name. She has a couple of cookbooks. She... She was on Next Food Network Star back in the day. Anyway, she had Ooh, written this. I love Next Food Network. I loved it too. She had written this. Um, by the way, side note, Artie, Artie Sequera, who won Next Food Network Star, her season, she endorsed uh-huh. this book. So even a Food Network person is like, hey, this book is actually super helpful, you guys, I promise. Like, and not in a, a, not in a chef yep. way. But um, Melissa said something about how when her kids were home and they were younger, and it was something about when her work was happening and when maybe her husband's work was happening. I don't remember the particulars. But basically, as a family, they ate lunch together. They made homemade lunch together. Because dinner, it was kind of like what you were saying about your kids. It's like the kids would sort of be hungry at different times. Or maybe it wasn't lunch. Maybe it was they had dinner at three or something. It was something crazy where it was like, or yeah. supposedly crazy, like that everyone would come home and everyone was like, that's what it was. Three, that's what it was. Everyone came home from school. They, everyone was super hungry. You kind of work hard on like the snacking thing, but most of the kids were going to bed a little bit earlier. They had like practices or something like that. And so they started having dinner at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And then people could sort of snack later on when they wanted to, but that's yeah. when they gathered for a meal. And it was like, that's so good, you guys. It's so good. You don't, 
You can even eat dinner when you want. Like, it doesn't matter. You get to choose what makes sense for you. I truly, this is, this is so fun. This really has been a lesson that I've been like learning and learning and learning and unpacking in so many areas of my life. And just the idea that you get to pick and like you get to pick what works best for you in this time and and then you can change it. And, and it's just yes to literally everything. So we could talk about this for seven years, but just as we're finishing up, I want to ask, you said that in the back, there's an appendix of like yes. how to do different things. And, and I know that like you are the lazy genius. So what is one of your favorite like hacks, I guess, mm. that you've come across or something that you use for either organizing or shopping or cooking or like, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. So can, I think the whatever. most, I think that one of the most powerful things, and I share this publicly, but if, you know, if a lot of people don't, are not familiar with me, I think one of the most powerful things that you can do when it comes to your meals is to make a list of your, what I call brainless crowd pleasers. What are the meals that do, here's what the definition is. A brainless crowd pleaser is something that does not require any thinking for the person. Like it's just, you can do this. You Like for you, this is the irony of it. Or not the irony. This is the beauty of it. For you, I think homemade pasta is in some ways a brainless crowd pleaser for you. Because everybody likes pasta. Now it might take a little bit of time, but like you really it's like, love it's definitely doing my it. party trick. Exactly. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 not a it's not a like you know it's Tuesday let's have dinner kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it definitely is like it's my turn to make meal on vac like a meal on vacation like everyone gather around look yes. what I can do yes we're gonna make pasta so but a brainless crowd pleaser is something that is easy is brainless for the cook it does not require a lot of effort a lot of checking notes a lot of energy a lot of decision making energy for the person cooking the meal and it is generally pleasing to whoever is eating it so. Depending on the family, depending on the person, hot dogs are probably a brainless crowd pleaser. Now, do I love eating hot dogs myself? Not really, but like, it sure it doesn't require any brain power. And all my kids like, my family likes them. Like, we're fine. But guess what else is a brainless crowd pleaser in our house? Chicken tikka masala. My kids love it. I love to make it. It's one of my favorite things that I make. Like, you get to make your list. And so what happens when you go into meal planning or shopping or whatever, trying to really just, meal planning is deciding what you're going to eat a little ahead of time. Like that's all it is. You get to decide what the scope of it is and how many meals, like you're just deciding a little bit ahead of time what to eat. That's all it is. So if you have a list of brainless crowd pleasers for you, for you, it could be one thing, it could be 20 things or anywhere in the middle. You can go like, oh, it's going to be really busy that day. And we will have already hit our, you know, like our house rule of we don't want to eat out more than five times a week. You know, like we really yeah. do want to have two at home or something. You're like, okay, we're, but we're doing brainless crowd pleasers, those other two. It, there's no new stuff, you know, we're, because it's busy or whatever it is. So having this like, it's like a Netflix queue. It's having a queue of things that you're like, oh yeah, I like to, I like to watch that. I like to eat that. I like to make that. And you pull from that instead of pulling from literally the entire internet or every cookbook that you own. Like we're making our pools of recipes to pull from just way too big, like way too big, you guys. Mm -hmm. So we need to make them so much smaller and making a list of your people's brainless crowd pleasers is I think one of the simplest and most life-changing things that you can do because it's just there. And then you can pull from it and be done. It's a pool. It's a puddle, not a pool. 
Oh, it's totally, it can be a drop. It could be a single solitary drop of water. Like yep. it, it, you're not less of a person because you have one thing that you feel that you like to make generally that isn't hard, that everyone eats. It's okay if it's one. Yeah. Make it every week, make it twice a week. Like just keep making it until you find yeah. something else that you add or until your season of life changes or whatever it is. My Carlin, Carl and I like our thing, well, and for our girls now too, is like, how can we like sneak vegetables in here? Um, and so there was a while when we would like be like, oh, I haven't had enough vegetables today. So we'd like, you know, drink our vegetables or, you know, we'll do, okay, well, this night went crazy, but we're all eating Kraft mac and cheese with a side of salad mm-hmm. <laughs> or broccoli or something like right. that. Or throw something good here on the side that we need to eat along with something else that just like got the job done. Right. Kendra, this is seriously maybe the most necessary and freeing hour of my life that I've had in a long time. Thank I'm so you. Glad. I'm seriously, so glad. like as you're, I, I, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to link to everything in the show notes, but just for women listening, where can they find you? Where can they pick up your book? Because I know that like truly we're going to hang up and I'm going to go pre-order it right away. <laughs> That's very kind. It's funny because I don't, I know that that promoting things that you make, you know, this is a weird job that we have. You're trying to encourage people to consume something and engage in something that you made out of thin air. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a weird job. And, and sometimes, and I feel this too, we hear people doing interviews on podcasts and talking about their new book and all the things. And, and part of us is like, understandably, like a little bit skeptical maybe, not that the book is any good or that the, what the person is saying is good, but it's like, well, of course they're going to say it's good like because they want me to buy it. And I just want to yeah. say right now, if all of you just got it from the library, I would still be deeply, deeply happy that you didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't make a penny off of it because I, if you haven't already been able to tell, I believe so deeply in this message and I believe in my dagamero that this book will change your life. Like I, I will stake a lot of things on that. This is unlike, I mean, my, even my publisher was like, what category is this? Because this isn't a cookbook. And I was like, no, put it in the cookbooks. Like we, there's no book like this. I've been waiting for someone to write this book for 20 years and no one has. <laughs> so I'm like, fine, yeah. I'll write it. It is so deeply empowering and permission giving and practical and helpful. And it is truly going to change your life in the kitchen. So I just want to say like, I believe in it so much. And, and even if you all just get it at your library, I will be just as happy as if you buy it. You can buy it anywhere. You know, you can buy it from any major retailers. You can call your independent bookstore and have them order it for you if they don't already have it. Um, so you can get the book anywhere. It's called The Lazy Genius Kitchen. I'm on Instagram at The Lazy Genius. I have a podcast called The Lazy Genius Podcast. Again, Google Lazy Genius. You will find me. <laughs> like all the things, it's all the things. That's all the things. And the website where everything is housed, the podcast, the blog, links to the book, all of that are thelazygeniuscollective.com. Awesome. Kendra, seriously, thank you. Thank you for the work you do. And specifically, thank you, thank you, thank you for this work that you do. It is going to make my life a lot easier. And I'm very grateful. I'm so, so thrilled. Thanks for having me. You guys, isn't Kendra amazing? I just love her. Don't forget that if you ever want to find the links for any of the things we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything. 
including links for Kendra so you can pre-order her book, listen to her podcast, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. Friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It'll just make sure that your phone downloads the latest episode when anyone's released. And I did wanna take a quick second to ask you a favor. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much and it really would mean the world to me. So if you'd take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night and I'll see you next week.